Good afternoon and welcome to the How to Train Your Wagon podcast, the podcast that takes three generations of travelers around the world. This is a very big episode for us as it is our 10th episode. Special thanks to our friends in Moscow, Krakow, Kyrgyzstan, Rome, and Amman for being our guests. Looking at our schedule of guests, we look forward to taking you on another exciting 10 episodes, including an African safari in Tanzania, the mountains of Patagonia, and the Scottish Highlands. Today, we're going to focus on the city of Seville in southern Spain in Andalusia. Seville is known for Alcazar, its cathedral, as well as being a Renaissance city set in the southern Spanish sun. Today, we're joined by our guest, Sofia Ventura of Seville Private Guide. Her website is sevilleprivateguide.com. First, a warm welcome to Sofia. Hi, thank you. I'm also joined today by my wife, Kimberly. Hi, guys, this is Kim. In laws, Bob and Karen Miller. Good morning. Good morning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Seville and why travelers should consider Spain spending time there when they visit Spain? I would say American travelers normally choose Seville as one of the cities they visit when they when they come. In Seville, you can basically find what you're normally expecting to find in Spain. Sun, blue skies, culture, flamenco, bull rings. And I would say the idea of Spain most uh, foreigners have is actually about Andalusian culture, not the whole Spain. Because I know some people who have been to the north of Spain before visiting Seville, and they were like, hey, it was raining quite a lot. There were no flamenco shows. And that's really not what they were expecting to, to find before coming to Spain. That's an excellent point. And even living in Europe, I know that Seville was unfortunately a day trip when visiting Costa del Sol, but Seville really deserves a visit unto itself. When traveling with three generations of travelers, where would you recommend we stay in Seville and why? Seville city center or the historic city center is quite large. So there are plenty of options to stay within walking distance of the most interesting sites. There are many hotels around the monumental area from five star hotels to touristic apartments. So there's basically a lot to choose from. Another good option in my opinion is to stay in Triana. Triana is one of the most authentic neighborhoods in Seville. It's the neighborhood on the other side of the river. The walk may be a, a, a little longer, but you'll be able to enjoy a very uh, unique atmosphere. Anyway, I, I would say that whatever you choose, just make sure to book your hotel in advance, especially if you visit us in spring or September, October, which is actually our, our high season. So spring brings a lot of events to our city. We have our Semana Santa, which is it's the name we give to our Holy Week or Easter parades. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And then two or three weeks later, we change into our flamenco dresses and we have our famous April Fair, Feria de Abril. So if you choose to visit us at that time, then you need to book in, in advance. Really. Another question for you. What would you recommend that we do on the day of travel when some of our travelers may be jet lagged and some may be energetic? I would say just relax. If you have a full week ahead, then I think if you're dealing with jet lag, it's very important not to force yourself to visit places where when you're not in the mood, probably. And I think attitudes, attitude is the most important thing here. We want to create nice memories, not ones where you're walking around an unknown city with a terrible headache. But well, if you feel okay, I would recommend just having a calm walk around the city to get the idea of what you will be experiencing in the next few days. So I would just not go inside any monument for the moment, but just relax, just walk outside, have a look at the city, explore maybe the, the possibilities for lunch and things like that. 
That sounds like a very practical first day of vacation or holiday. We can soak in the city and see where our next days are going to lead us. Also, it allows all of us to go at different speeds. Okay. I'd like to know, uh, what are some of the breakfast options? Many options here. I would, first of all, you must know that breakfast times can be very different than they are back in, in the U.S. So you can see people having breakfast anytime from 8 a.m. to noon. It mainly depends on their work schedule, but it's not rare to see people drinking their morning coffee at 11 a.m., for example, with their colleagues. Just consider our breakfast maybe a bit different than what you normally have. Probably one of our, our most famous foods for breakfast would be churros. Churros is a must here. You may have tried Mexican churros. Those are slightly different. The ones here are, are not sweet. They are salty, but they can be dipped in, in hot chocolate. You can eat churros any day you want, but it's something people tend to buy more on Sundays to bring them home for, for the whole family. A normal breakfast in like a Monday or Tuesday could be, for example, a toast with olive oil. And you can also add Iberian ham or some tomato slices. And then, uh, and if you prefer sweet stuff, we have many bakeries. I would suggest heading to a bakery known as La Campana. La Campana is a bakery which opened back in uh, 1885. And you can find traditional cakes and you can also have your coffee and, and toast there. And if you happen to be in Seville around Easter time, then do not miss the chance to try Torrijas. Torrijas is a French toast with honey. Fantastic. You know how to get to an American's heart with breakfast. Bob, I know you had a question. Yeah, I was wondering what the big attractions are in Seville and what we should see on our first. I guess after you have relaxed and slept well, I think that would be the day when you would want to visit the, the main attractions. Seville has many things to see, but the two main monuments are without a doubt the cathedral, which is the largest Gothic cathedral in, in the world, and the Alcázar. The Alcázar is the royal palace. It has different buildings with a very unique blend of styles and amazing gardens. Visiting those two monuments could take about three hours. So after being done with them, I am sure you would want to grab something to eat before you, you continue. And by the way, if you visit, the Alcazar has become um, increasingly popular among the younger generations because Game of Thrones was filmed there. So many are willing to visit the, the Kingdom of Dorne. And well, after lunch, you could have a walk around Santa Cruz, the old Jewish quarter with narrow streets, where you could just relax with the sound of the water from the fountains or buy some souvenir there. So we've had a busy day there. We've seen perhaps for these attractions, you said that was a half a day and certainly toward the old town. I think we've worked up an appetite. A couple things there. So what would three restaurants you would have us consider for dinner and what would be a real Seville dinner experience. We have uh, some famous places such as El, El Rinconcillo is uh, for sure a must when you're in Seville because it dates back to 1670. So it's the oldest restaurant in town. It has a long history, more than 350 years. It's a typical Sevillian restaurant when you where you can uh, also have tapas. Are you familiar with tapas? We are. But some yeah, of our guests might not be. Yeah, yeah, tapas. tapas are typically a small portion of food, which makes having tapas a great option because it allows you to try a few different foods. So you can order a few and all the family can try them. And they have a great selection of tapas there. At, at I would also suggest visiting a place, Leguita Santa Cruz, also known as Las Columnas. 
It's also a great place for tapas. There's not much place to sit, but if you're lucky enough, you can get a seat. If not, then you can imitate what locals do, eat while standing at the bar. And a very peculiar thing they do here and in some other traditional bar is that they calculate what you owe them directly on the counter. So they write the numbers there with a piece of chalk. And in Les Columnas, uh, make sure you order what they call pringa. Pringa is uh, basically slow cooked meat with some cured sausage, such as chorizo or morcilla and fat. Everything is slow cooked for many hours. Then it's minced till they make a paste you can spread on your toe. Some of the foods I would generally recommend here would be gazpacho or salmorejo. Those are uh, cold tomato soups, which are eaten with some boiled egg and ham on top. Then I would also suggest trying, of course, Spanish omelette, fried fish, and then some foods my, my clients are sometimes uh, like reluctant to try because they may be a bit weird for them, but they would be pork or beef or beef cheeks. Have you tried those? They are cheeks. very, yeah, they are very nice and pork ones too. And also something they are a bit reluctant to try would be uh, chicken blood, boiled chicken blood. Have you tried that? I have not tried boiled chicken. No, it's, it's actually like solid. So it's cut into pieces and it's cooked with onion. It's really tasty. Oh. Interesting. And yeah, <laughs> when traveling, I personally choose this kind of more traditional places because I like to try the most traditional or authentic foods in the place I'm, I'm visiting. But of course there must be an option for everyone. So for example, for people who are fans of modern cuisine, you can also find restaurants which mix like tradition with modern techniques. Of course, these restaurants are a bit more, more expensive, but we have one, for example, known as Maria Trifulca is one of the trendiest restaurants in town at the moment. It overlooks Triana Bridge and the river, and it's the place like all the local stars and soccer players go for their nights out. And also I thought like for kids, if they are not in the mood to try new foods, for sure they can always find their McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, and so on. And for grown-ups, also good news, we also have Starbucks. Because <laughs> I know normally like, normally my clients wanna try our coffee, our coffees, smaller cups, but there's always someone who asks me, do you have Starbucks here? I want like my regular latte. So yeah, we also have them. And that is actually one of my regular questions is, is Sevilla a coffee or tea culture? And you seem to be saying it. it, it. Coffee culture. I didn't personally drink coffee, but most people do. Okay. You know, and one question, whenever we go to Spain, we, we always try and take as much of Spain and, and live the, take Spain with us when we return home. And, and that, I think that's best exemplified when my wife and I refer to Spanish hours. So depending on where we've been in Spain, Oftentimes, I know for an anniversary dinner, the restaurant didn't open up till well into the evening and then we'd stay out later. Can you maybe speak to, mm -hmm. to what, what it means to say Spanish hours in Seville when people, you talked about breakfast hours, but maybe what it means to be Spanish hours for lunch, uh, siestas, and then when you would dine in the evening? For lunch, I would say restaurants open about uh, one, half of, half of one, and then they close at four. Most people work two, half past two, three. So it's normal for us to have lunch like at half past two or, or three. And for dinner, that may be very different than what you have back in, in the United States. 
normally restaurants open at half past eight or something like that till midnight, depending if it's a weekend or not. And for us, it's normal to have dinner at 10, half past 10. Yeah. Which is very different here since oh, yeah. we have dinner at five, six o'clock. Yes, <laughs> I know. That's tremendous. One question. Certainly we've grown to love tapas here in the United States. Uh, there's some great Spanish restaurants in, in Chicago. I'm curious, bacon wrapped dates and potatoes con ajillo, the, the cold garlic potato salad, are those popular in, in Seville? Is it like... Cold potato salad, yeah. We have, yeah, we have some kind of salads, not especially with, just with garlic, but for example, in summer... In, in my family, my mom sometimes makes like potatoes with a bit of tomato, a bit of garlic, and yeah. Okay. So sounds like we're well fed. We've seen the major attractions that next day, been able to enjoy the Spanish evening. What would you have us see on our, our second day of attractions? I would suggest walking to Maria Luisa Park. That's where, have you ever heard of Plaza? Okay, Plaza de España is one of our famous monuments also, and it's right by the park. So you can do both at the same time. You can do the park, and then Plaza de España is a square, which was built for the expo in year 1929. It was also featured in Star Wars, The Attack of the Clones. It's supposed to be like the palace of Queen Amidala, so also for the younger like generations, that's something that may attract them. And so it, it really makes it quite an experience for, for teens who are fans of the saga. I recommend doing this, both the park and the plaza early in the morning, if you visit in summer, because if you visit like at 9 a.m., it's not as hot as it is later in, in the day. Inside the park, you also have two museums, the archeological museum, which is now unfortunately closed because the building is undergoing some maintenance work and the popular arts and customs museum, where you can learn more about traditional arts and Andalusian lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I think here, if teens prefer some more activity, they can choose to ride a bike or do some sports at the park. They have some like bikes for rent there while the rest of the family visits the museum. And you also need to, to visit Triana, this neighborhood I spoke about in the beginning, the neighborhood on the other side of the river. It's uh, very popular because of its ceramics. There's even a ceramics museum there, if you're interested. And Triana Market is also a great place to see how local people interact with each other and to get to know local products. It's something I like a lot, like exploring the local markets. I think you can learn a lot about a city and about a country by exploring those. And well, for younger audiences, we also have some special spots. We have Isla Magica. Isla Magica is basically a theme park, but it's uh, for the whole family, but kids and teens may enjoy it more. And it opens in spring, summer. And we also have an aquarium in Seville, which I personally like very much. And I think everyone can have fun there. It has the deepest uh, shark tank in Spain, and it has species from all over the, the world. Do you have any attractions that you would recommend for people who go a little bit slower pace, like my husband and I? I think anyone can enjoy the city. For example, when we visit the, the cathedral, I, I have sometimes done this kind of tours, which involve different generations. So, for example, sometimes the parents and the kids go up to visit the tower, the bell tower of the cathedral, which is called Giralda. There are 34 floors to go up. So many people want to skip it. They don't want to go up. It's too tiring for them. So sometimes the, the parents and the kids go up and I stay downstairs with, with the grandparents, talking to them and 
uh, telling them about the, the city. So I think ever anyone can enjoy just at a slower pace, of course. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. What day trips or excursions can you take from Seville? Yeah, you could just, for example, uh, go to Cordoba. Cordoba is, uh, it has a very impressive mosque or head to Cadiz for a seashore excursion. Both cities are like an hour and a half from Seville by car, which makes them like a great choice for a, a full day excursion. And another option would be to cross the border to add another country to your travel list if you want to visit the south of Portugal. It has amazing coves, but if you have never been there before, I would recommend spending more than just one day to explore more, more areas. But yeah, Cordoba and Cadiz would make great options. Okay. So, so one of the question, I think for us, oftentimes we, we love drinking in the ambiance at night. Can you describe maybe in association with dinner what it means for people of all ages to be walking Seville at night after dinner? <laughs> like nightlife. Nightlife, yes. Being a mom, I don't normally go out at night. So probably my idea of a great night out may be different from the idea a teen, for example, may have. <laughs> there are for sure discos and pubs, but my idea of a special night, for example, would surely include visiting the Arab baths, like the hammam. They are called aire. It's something quite expensive, so not something you would do more than on a special occasion. But, and by the way, this is um, a civilian company, aire, but they also have Arab baths in New York City and Chicago. So have you heard of those? Yeah. I have not. And no, they, they have in those two cities. And then I would maybe after dinner, I would go to some rooftop terrace for a drink. We have many of those, for example, the one in, uh, and it's called Kivir, the Hotel Kivir. It's a terrace which overlooks River Guadalquivir, but almost all hotels have this kind of rooftop uh, terraces and they are very popular, especially now in summer, spring, all these kind of warmer months. Okay, that's tremendous. I know after dinner, when we were in Barcelona, we would actually just go take a walk down the roads, down the streets, mm -hmm. and just see how people were living and try to get into where the locals would go so we could actually have some interaction, talking to people and getting more ideas of like where we could eat the next day and things like that. So that's the things as a mom myself would like to do versus the nightclubs. <laughs> so considering that, I have a couple of little questions to that. I guess the first one is how would you get to know where the local places are and how do you get to talk to more of the locals so you can explore it at a different angle? Because I do like to travel and get to know what it's like behind the scenes of all the touristy parts. I would say that nowadays we have a lot of tools on the internet that we can use to realize if a place is good or not. For example, the TripAdvisor. Yeah. Even myself, before visiting any place in Seville, I always go to TripAdvisor and check, especially checking the most uh, recent reviews. Because, for example, as a tour guide, I sometimes get clients who tell me, my friend was here like 10 years ago, and he has uh, told me that this place is great. And maybe the place has changed owners, and it's not that good now. So that's always good to make sure the reviews you read about a place are um, like the most recent ones. Okay. And like you asked me about asking local people, civilian people, in my opinion, are very like willing to help. So even if a person doesn't speak your language, doesn't speak English, he or she will always be willing to help you. So even with signs or a map or whatever, but you'll get your information. That's good to know. 
I guess that kind of leads me into a question that I have. Uh, I'm, I'm always interested. One of the things I'm interested in is uh, interacting with the local people, getting to know the local people, see what they do, how they do it, what the culture is. And, and I just enjoy interacting with folks. How would you say what would be the best way to do something like that? Oh, for that, what I said before, like head to the local markets, for example, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, early there, and you'll get to see people doing their daily shopping. You'll see what products they buy. You can ask about, for example, you can go to the place where they sell the fruits and you can ask the man about the most popular fruits there and buy some and try them, for example. Well, that, that sounds great. I have one follow-on question is... Uh... One of my favorite things to do is go to a cafe or a bakery, mm-hmm. get a cup of coffee and something sweet to eat and just talk. What, mm-hmm. what would, would you suggest something like that also, I guess? Yeah, like I think I mentioned it before when I was uh, talking about breakfasts. I would uh, recommend uh, this La Campana, which is the oldest bakery in town, because they have, it's not modern, so they have all the traditional sweets. Because nowadays we have many bakeries around town, but some of them are like modern, so they have this kind of American style. But this one, Campana, is a traditional one, so everything you find there are like traditional sweets. Especially if you visit in Easter time, and as I said, do not miss their torrinos is also like a sweet dough, and it's also they also add honey to it, so it's also very sweet. Well, thank you. Sounds great. You know, one other question, maybe I'm hoping you can uh, maybe speak to Seville as being part of Andalusia and and, and some of the the contrast in Andalusia. It's been a while since I was was in Andalusia uh, and Seville. But maybe you can speak to what it means to be, you said Andalusia is certainly the, the capital of what, what Americans, when they visualize Spain, what that means. But maybe you can just speak to the Costa del Sol being perhaps modern high rises and, and very much a beach destination. And then maybe contrast that with Seville and what it means to visit Seville when you're in Andalusia. Andalusia is also a very big region. Okay, more than 8 million inhabitants. But there's also a lot of contrast. We have the coast in Huela. We have mountains in Sierra Nevada, for example. We have Mulacen. Mulacen is the tallest, the highest mountain in the Iberian Peninsula. And you can find it in Granada, in Sierra Nevada. So we have a lot of contrast, like both geographically and also, for example, for us in Andalusia, we have different accents. Okay. You may have heard that Andalusian Spanish is uh, different from the Spanish they speak in, for example, uh, I don't know, uh, Madrid. Okay, mm-hmm. We have a very peculiar accent and many American people, for example, uh, when they come to Spain, they say, hey, I have learned Spanish, I can speak Spanish. But they, when they hear an Andalusian person, they are like confused. What are they talking about? Because we also have a lot of expressions and vocabulary we only used here. So even a person from Madrid, for example, would not understand those small like words. Okay. In Andalusia, a person from Huelva and a person from Almeria also have differences. Okay. We understand each other, of course, in, in, the, in all the country, but we have small differences. So in the way people pronounce some words, for example, that's different. And as I said, geographically, we also have a lot of differences. Uh, for example, Seville and Córdoba are uh, the hottest uh, cities in, in Spain. We have the Guadalquivir River. And in summer, we can have very hot temperatures. But if you visit Sierra Nevada, the place where these mountains are, and the top of the mountains, it would be colder. Okay. It brings another excellent question up. When would you consider the best time to visit Seville? 
I would say if you want to experience uh, the most, then visit in spring because you'll be able to like visit the city, experience all our most famous festivals like Semana Santa, the Feria, but it's also very crowded. So if you want to visit like calmly without having a lot of people around, then you have to choose uh, our low season, which would be like winter months. I would say, for example, Christmas time. They are not that popular. Like my favorite time, of course, is spring. Then summer, it's too hot. September and October are also high season. So it's up to you. If you want to make the most of your experience, then spring. If you want to come when it's less crowded, then I would say Christmas time, for example. For our audience's benefit, we're actually calling this on, on the same day that Spain is playing in, in the semifinals of Euro 2020, here in 2021. Uh, and I, I see uh, Sofia's wearing a, looks like a España uh, jersey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, Seville's had a good football club. But would you recommend tourists to take in a game at, at a soccer game. If you like soccer, we have two teams in Spanish La Liga. We have Betis, which is the green team, and we have Sevilla, which is the red team. There's a very strong like rivalry between both teams. And if you're here on a weekend, there may be probably uh, a match in one of the stadiums. I would I I love soccer, so I would definitely go. And if I had to choose, I would choose Betis. I'm a very strong Betis supporter, so and it's, it's go green. Uh, that's good to know. But you wouldn't, you know, a question I living in Europe in the 80s at times, it was some of the stadiums could be a, a difficult venue for a tourist, maybe not something you'd want your average American tourist to go. But you have no, there should be no safety concerns in, in 2021 about going to a soccer game. You mean with the pandemic or? Uh, not with the pandemic, but more with hooligans. Oh, I think all clubs have their, like, I would say, hooligan section. I have the season pass of Betis and I go there with my kids. So it's, it's not a, like a safety concern for us. Like many families go there, many generations. Like you can see a grandfather with uh, his or his son or her daughter and then the grandchildren. So it's not a problem. That's tremendous. Thank you for sharing. So if we're going to Seville and of course I'm the shopper and I have girls that like to shop, what would you bring home that would bring Seville back with us as a souvenir? Hmm. It depends on what you like, but I would buy a fan as a souvenir. Fans are great because you can use them, but you can also have them just like to decorate your home. And they also make uh, great gifts. Fans have very different prices. You can find cheap fans and you can find very expensive fans. So I would just make sure uh, that you choose a hand-painted one. Also like to help local you know, artisans and stuff like that. And if you visit Triana, you must buy uh, ceramics. Mm -hmm. I know it's something that may seem quite fragile to bring home, but probably if you choose something small, like a small tile, there will be no, no problem. Also, when traveling, I like to buy some like edible souvenir. Here in Seville, I would buy, they are like a light, crisp and flaky sweet biscuit made with olive oil. Sounds wonderful. What are the three things that you would highly recommend every traveler do while they're in Seville on their holiday or vacation? Of course, the main monuments. You need to, to visit the cathedral, the Alcazar, Plaza de España, and Triana. 
And then it depends basically on how long you stay here, because from my experience, most uh, tourists stay in the city for two, three days before they move somewhere else. So in two or three days, you don't really have much time to do a lot of things other than visit the main monuments, of course. And for example, most people want to attend a flamenco show. It's true that, well, flamenco, I, I always uh, explain people that flamenco is something that sometimes just happens. There's, uh, it's something spontaneous. There's a group of friends join, one has a guitar, the other one sings, and what well, magic happens. But if you want to attend like a show, I always recommend the one in the flamenco museum because they are all professional dancers and they change the artists every once in a while. So there's always something different to see. Karen do, you want, Karen, do you want to ask your iconic question about the, the about the do nots or the, the donuts? What would you suggest are the three do's and the three do nots or the donuts do that you don't want to do uh, while you're there? What should or are there areas you should avoid? Or I think that common sense is the most important thing here. As in any other touristic city, take care of your belongings. Do not walk around with your back half open. Like some people uh, stop to take a picture and, well, their back is half open. That's a problem if you are in a touristic city, which is crowded. Do not put stuff in your back pocket and avoid exploring unknown areas late at night because you don't know where you're going. So it's always wise to, to avoid them. And I would probably add that if you come to Seville in summer, you should be careful with the weather. Our summers are very hot and reaching 40 degrees Celsius, which is 104 degrees Fahrenheit, or even more is not unusual at all. So just carry water with you and maybe choose to visit monuments or places in the shade during the hottest hours. Great, thank you. Great, so are there other things you wanted to share with us or you want our audience to know? Well, probably about moving within Seville. Oh, I love to walk everywhere, but if you don't know where you're going, I would recommend uh, using a taxi. In the city center, most streets are very narrow and it can be hard to drive. So I would not rent a car unless you need to use it to go to the airport or to drive somewhere else. And so taxis would be a good option within the city. If you have a car and you need a place to park, I would then recommend the it's a parking lot in Puerta de Jerez, which is very close to the main monuments. But if you can, just avoid the car, because I have seen many people trying to drive around narrow streets, and it's very stressing for them. Yes. Totally agree with that one. I can relate to that. Thank you again to our guest, Sophia Ventura of Seville Private Guide, sevilleprivateguide.com. Sophia, the floor is yours. Just want to give you one last opportunity to speak to your beloved city and the services that you offer. Okay, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. And if you're planning to visit Spain, I think Seville must be on your like bucket list. I know it's the city where I'm from, and you may think I'm not being objective here, but really anyone I know who has visited has found it fascinating. And the fact that our city has been influenced by so many different cultures, the mixture of styles you can still see in our monuments, the art, the food, the charm of civilians. I think that you're going to love Seville if you come here. And about me, I would say that I specialize on private tours, as you said. I have been a licensed tour guide in Seville for nine years. So organizing a custom tour is my favorite thing to do. I also have experience in guiding larger groups, but small private tours require a lot more than just guiding. The approach is very different. So when traveling, different people have different ideas about taking tours. 
Some people are into history and art, some others are more into food and shopping, some families have kids while others don't, some people stay for a few days while others just stop by for a few hours. So that's basically my job. I ask you about your group, I give you a few tour options based on your characteristics, then you choose what suits you best. So with, with, lar with the large groups you can't really customize much because you have, let's say, 30 different people and each family in the group may want something different but private tours can be like fully customized. If you need a local guide when you visit, feel free to contact me on like www.civilprivateguide.com or email me at tours at civilprivateguide.com. Tremendous. I can't wait to go to Seville. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on however you access our podcast, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Look forward to talking to you all next week. Have a good day.